Welcome back to another episode of the Elite Body and Performance Podcast. And today we are joined by nutritionist, Mr. Callum Walker, who is a nutrition coach for coaches, but also works with a lot of professional athletes across the Premier League, the Cricket League, and so forth. So I thought it'd be incredible to get him on the podcast and share his wisdom with you guys. So welcome to the show, Callum. Thank you very much for having me, my friend. Super excited to chew the fat, pardon the pun, over the next hour or so. So I'm really humbled to be on as well with you my friend i hope to hear a lot more of those pun uh puns as the podcast goes on as well i'm really sorry (laughs) so dude before we kind of dive into the podcast i'd love for the listeners just to understand a little bit more about you so who is callum walker and why the whole world of nutrition um well to be honest there's nothing really special about me in that sense that like i think about my story um really i was just typical guy at school all i was interested in was playing sport messing around and just having a good time and yeah. and and really like I was the most unacademic individual that you would ever find um that like the the only things I really was interested in was just playing sport and just being around with my friends and then all of a sudden like you know I kind of had this idea I was like right okay what do I do when I finish school I want to go to uni but I kind of wanted to go to uni purely just for the basis of just to have a good time and because I didn't really know what my next step was um and then of course my mum who's just full of wisdom was like well you do realize you've got to do a degree while you're there <laughs> I'm like, well, what am I interested in? And I was like, I've always been interested in sport. Like, I've always played sport at relatively high level. Um, I was like, well, how hard can a, a sports degree be? Uh, I mean, it was incredibly wrong in that sense. Um, but truthfully, like, you know, I think about I've got, um, I've, I've had ADHD all of my life. I've been incredibly unacademic at school, told I wasn't going to amount to much. And then all of a sudden, I just found that like academics at school just never, ever, ever floated my boat. And it just never got my brain you know, firing. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, I was just turning up to these, these lessons, almost just listening to these, these professors and these doctors talking about things that could enhance my own ability to perform from a sporting point of view. And I was just like hooked. Yeah. And again, I honestly, I was so unacademic. Like if someone had told me 10 years ago that you'd be doing a PhD and all of this sort of stuff, I'd be like, like no chance. <laughs> but then but all of a sudden, I'm a big believer that like, when you can get something that really grabs your attention and really gets you on fire that like anyone can be academic in it. And I found that, you know, for me, I just fell in love with the subject from a sports science point of view. I then, and I've always loved my food, like from a, from a cooking perspective, like I've just loved, loved trying new recipes, like spending time in the kitchen. It's my time where I've just always been able to just like switch off and kind of go into my own sort of world and um and I found that like I fell in love with the, and I was incredibly fascinated from a nutritional point of view with how nutrition kind of interacted with the body and how you could enhance your performance and truthfully from my own ego point of view you know and this isn't a sob story for me but I was very much like bullied at school for being thick and and it was kind of like the one thing that I was like I can become an expert in this one thing that all of these kids who are incredibly smart and incredibly academic, yeah, they all don't know about, but they all want to know about, and they would eventually come to me. So from a selfish point of view, that was a massive yeah, like driver for me. And again, like I look back now and it's quite a destructive driver. Um, but anyway, like I did a, um, I did my modules in, in performance nutrition towards the back end of it. And then I finished my first degree and I was like, right. Okay. Kind of having a good time at uni kind of don't really know what else to do. So I got offered a scholarship um, to uh, take on a master's degree in performance nutrition. But more importantly, I think the main reason for why I got so interested in it is that especially in the fitness industry and in the fitness world, like it always broke my heart to see that everyone had this perception that in order to 
eat well, it had to be boring and bland food, that it had to basically be, you've got to eat cardboard and rabbit food in order to look like a Greek god. And for me, it was like, well, it never has to be like that because I just love my food and everything that I eat kind of gets me actually excited to eat. And I get, and and I actually get excited and look forward to my meals. And it was like, well, why can't I kind of combine the two of, you know, my own culinary interest and really kind of making food vibrant and exciting and tying it in with the actual scientific aspect of things. So um, I did a master's degree and um, specializing in performance nutrition, where I, I learned under one of like top guys in the field. So he's a professor who basically, um, uh, he, he was the guy who did all of the early research on supplements like creatine, beta alanine. Um, so that's why I'll never ever have a fear of public speaking ever again. So I remember one of my assignments, I had to do an hour's presentation all on creatine monohydrate, quoting all of his research. So wow. I was like, right, okay, well, if I get this wrong, like he's going to know that you've got that wrong. So, um, so yeah, so I learned an amazing amount of him, uh, finished my master's degree and then was like, right, okay, out into the wide world, got to go get a job. So I was applying for every job that has absolutely nothing to do with what I've studied for the last four years and got okay. myself an incredible amount of student debt for. Um, so just applying for like sales <laughs> jobs and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and then my uncle came along and was like, look, can you just help me lose a little bit of weight? So I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Like, well, I'm, I haven't got anything else to do because no one's picking me up because I've got no experience in all this stuff. Yeah. And then um, I taught him how to cook, um, showed him what to do in the gym, showed him what to do from a food perspective. And he lost three stone. And I was like, well, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, like I could get paid to do that. Like, you know, I was going to the supermarket with him, teaching him how to cook. And I was like, well, why don't I just do this for a job? So I um, was 22, just set my business up. Um, and then it just started just with like a couple of my mum's friends. And I will never, ever forget my mum's friends. I know Paula, um, when we first started up, she like, she sat me down. She's like, oh, you need to lose some weight. I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I can help you. So she sat me down. She's like, right, what are you going to do for me? I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I have no idea how to like structure a business or whatever. Yeah. And she's like, how much do you charge? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you found this, but like when you first start your business up, the one biggest guilt factor was like actually asking for money off of people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then it was amazing. She's just an incredible woman. And she was like, right, okay, stop there. What you're going to do is you're going to come to my house every week for the next six weeks. You're going to tell me what to eat. And here's 180 pounds. I'm going to charge, you're going to charge me 30 pounds per ticket. And she gave me this check. And honestly, I was just like, the level of like exuberance. Cause I've just been yeah, a broke student yes. for the last four years. And then someone just paid me 180 quid. And I'm like, that's my like, monthly allowance yeah, like, given to me. so anyway that then spiraled and um started helping people lose weight and then um again i trained to be a sports nutritionist what i specialized in so i started working with um again I, I got it in through working with a young lad who's now my best friend anyway um and he was just a young lad in one of the cricket academies for the professional cricket team near me and um and and, and you know i looked after him because he got snapped up to go on the under 19s tour for england um wow. to go and play in india and was like oh can you help me with some food it's like, yeah, I'll show him what to do. And then his performance just started to like skyrocket. And um, and then the the, the club got in contact with me. I'm like, look, we're looking for an academy nutritionist. Can you help us out? It's like, yeah. yeah. So I started working with them and then made my way up and then um, started work, working with athletes on a one-to-one basis. And then um, it kind of grew from there. I got to work with some incredible people. Um, you know, so mainly now I think about it, I, um, you know, I've worked with a variety of professional cricketers, golfers, um, you know, I've worked with the Premier League footballer and it's just been a bit of a dream, really. Yeah, um, and now I'm going, uh, I'm doing a PhD. I've been doing that for two years, specialising in 
optimal strategies for, for body composition. So really actually looking at how you can build fat and burn muscle, uh, sorry, build muscle and burn fat at the same time. Because I think about it from a nutritional point, like as a nutritionist, if I have a strength and conditioning coach come to me with an athlete, of course. I haven't got yeah, the time yeah. to be able to go, yeah, let's put you through a bulk, let's put you through a cut. I haven't got that time. So yeah, I've had yeah. to figure out the strategy to be able to do that simultaneously at the same time. And that's what I specialize in. Um, and then really, I've just been a massive nutrition nerd, like because I've been so precious about it, because it's like the one subject that I've actually been half smart at. Yeah, and it kind of like... It's cons- I've been so precious about it. And really, you know, I, I take it to, to personal trainers and online coaches now where I train them um, to get amazing results with their clients. Because again, for, you know, from my part, I see it that I left university with a master's degree in nutrition. I've got a first in that master's and everyone would look at me and go, oh, you know everything about nutrition. Now I get thrown out into the world and I was like, oh my God, I have been so set up to fail here. Yeah, I don't absolutely. have. I, okay, I've got this knowledge, but I don't know how to like apply it. Absolutely. And I also like. There's so many questions that my clients are coming at, and I felt like a fraud because I was like, I don't know the answer to this stuff, but I should because oh, this piece of paper yeah. says that I know the answer, but I don't. So, yeah, and, and that's coming from a master's degree level, let alone you know a personal trainer who's just done a level three course. And I just yeah. feel like, and that's where I've kind of made it my mission to to help coaches, personal trainers um, who've been failed by the industry to actually have that guide and point them in the direction from a nutritional point of view. So that's what I do now. I think that's such an important niche as well, because, you know, as you know, you go through the the level three personal training and it's not very in depth from, especially from a nutritional point of view, you don't get set up very well to say the least. I know they're even talking about trying to make those tests a little bit harder. And I I think they should. And I mean, From, from, from like a, a coaching perspective, obviously, like it, it's having one thing, the knowledge on paper, but, you know, in theory and in practice, as you, it's just a completely different story, right? You know, you get well, life gets in the way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the, the textbook doesn't tell you how to deal with a social event with the boys having a few beers. Absolutely. And, again, and it's even with like, you know, I work with athletes and with in a research paper, you think about oh, with athletes, it's almost as if they're these robots who can do everything. But then I think about a lot of like, Right now, I'm working with a fair few professional cricketers who are involved in the 100, and they're staying in hotels. Like, they're moving around all of the time. Well, my research papers don't tell me what they need to eat after a, you know, a fixture, after a floodlit fixture at 11 o'clock in the evening. So it's like, you know, in that sense, I feel that everyone, and this is for anyone who's listening to this, that you can have an idea of what perfection should be, but you have to accept that life gets in the way. 100%. And uh, it's yeah. about sometimes it really is just about being able to do your best in the situation that you've been presented with. And that, you know, and the problem is that, you know, whether it's with social media, whether it's with, you know, uh, how easy it is to be able to compare ourselves to so many other people these days, that we can kind of see that, oh, if we have one bad meal, like it throws us off track. But actually, like, and I always used to break this down, that if you had one bad meal per week let's say you had three meals a day that's 21 meals a week that's 84 meals a month one bad meal per week yeah, that's four out of 84 meals that's still 96 percent bang on with your diet absolutely yeah and when absolutely. you break it down that way you don't feel like such a failure anymore do you get yeah, what i mean i could not agree with you more and like actually i think you know you've got what would be optimal and completely perfect in an ideal world but i mean we work with a lot of busy professionals as ex and and entrepreneurs and so forth and you know you, you might say oh it's optimal you know you break down your protein sittings every couple of hours all right reese but i've got meetings all day today what now 
oh shit god yeah no bloody hell my pt degree didn't oh my, my, my pt qualification didn't break down what to do if someone's got meetings back to back and i think that's where where someone like yourself steps in and shows from a practical perspective is absolutely game-changing as well so one thing i thought would be really really cool for us to delve into on the front end of, the, uh, of this podcast is the world of supplements yeah. i think this is probably something that i i suppose is very confused within the industry and something i think someone like yourself can shed a bit of light on would be absolutely phenomenal for our listeners so i think the first thing would be really interesting to lean into is you know you get a lot of products and you know tested yeah. uh, you know tested and proven but they do their tests on like rats and, and mice for instance what's your thoughts along those lines well that's the thing that like you know look ultimately especially in, you know in, in research you know they have to they have to go through an element of testing and from a safety perspective and look ethically it's wrong but then also you know it, it's a method to be able to actually see whether it could potentially be helpful and useful in a human and it's very easy to control using an animal model but the, the problem is that again like a rat isn't a human and the, the issue with a lot of supplement companies very much is that they can like they can legally say scientifically proven to enhance performance but like no one has the the time or the interest to actually look at those studies and see it. it's like for example like um so a supplement you find within um so a compound you find within pre-workout like l-citrulline like it gives you the pump like that essentially l-citrulline um so it's an amino acid that essentially kind of increases um the production of nitric oxide which should increase delivery and uh, of, of yeah. oxygen increase vasodilation all of that sort of stuff and there's a research study that shows that by supplementing with L-citrulline, um, it actually resulted in um, when individuals were doing a time to exhaustion test in the pool, that it took them eight minutes longer to actually get to exhaustion so they could enhance their endurance performance. That was done in rats. And when you actually kind of apply that to human studies, like those results haven't been shown. So Absolutely. but the problem is that that company can say scientifically proven to enhance performance because technically it has. So like, really, you have to look at, you know, and again, it, it's not necessarily being able to see it always from a research perspective, but looking at it by going, well, first of all, was that done in humans? Secondly, was that done in a population that is similar to me? Absolutely. So for example, I think about my, my master's degree. We looked at beta alanine and there was a study that was done um, in. So this was the, the, the back end of the study that we did. So we looked at whether um, beta alanine essentially increased the speed at which that you could enhance your um, your force production with your legs. So basically the amount of force that you could produce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and there was a study that found that within in 18 to 30 year old males um, that it was found to enhance performance. However, the study we did was in elderly individuals and there was no enhancement. So like ultimately you have to look at it. You go that one, has it been done in humans? Secondly, has it been done on the, the same type age of individual that I am? Secondly, yeah. like gender, like it's a big difference. Like we're biologically made differently. Absolutely. So naturally there's going to be different pathways. Um, and then thirdly, the big one, uh, fourthly, the dose. Yes. Like again, you look yeah. at like pre-workouts, the, the biggest center for it that it will say that like it'll have L-arginine in there, which is shown to enhance performance, which yes, at doses of 30 grams, it's shown to enhance performance. But the minute you take on a 10 gram dose, you get the shits. Yeah. So it's like, well, what's going to improve my performance? Yeah, taking arginine or having messy pants while I'm on a bike? <laughs> like, so, so ultimately with supplements, I find in general that like, and this is from a coaching perspective, I say this to all the coaches that I train. If you can see yourself as a problem solver, 
life becomes a lot clearer in the sense of all your like your training solutions, your um, your nutritional strategies, yeah, yeah. everything. They're all solutions to problems. Absolutely. It's the same with like a supplement. What is a supplement um, protocol? Well, it's a solution to a problem, but you don't just give everyone the same solution. You have to find out what are the problems that you're experiencing. Of course. And off the back of that, here are the solutions specific to the problems that you have. So with supplements, it's like, right. It's not that, oh, everyone who wants to get physically fitter should go on all of these supplements. It's more right, okay, which, um, you know, during the actual like, activity that you're doing, what are going to be the main things that are going to impact your performance? And then what solutions are there out there that can help tackle those problems? Absolutely. Yeah, I could not agree with you more, mate. And I think, you know, it, it, it kind of builds up a big stigma of distrust as well, I, I suppose, with people oh. and supplements when they kind of think, oh, God, you know, can I trust this one if it's being tested by rats? Or can I trust this one? My mate, he, he got, you know, itchy kneecaps and tip of his ears and and, and blue lips when he took a pre -wrap. Can I Can I trust it as well? And I suppose yeah. it really creates a distrust. And when you get a bad taste in your mouth around one supplement, I guess your first kind of thought is they must all be bad. You know, I can't yeah, go nowhere near I mean, them. Well, and that's where it comes down to like, you, you don't know who you can trust because of all of the incentives yeah, yeah, yeah. that are out there these days in the sense of you look at like this influencer culture, oh, you know, how many supplements are like booted <laughs> out, like booted out through social media every week. You're like, oh, this is what turned me into looking like a Greek God. And you're like, well, no, yeah, that's called yeah. testosterone that you've injected into your arm. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? And, and, and I feel that like there is such an element of distrust in the, in the fitness industry in general, because yeah. of the financial gain and also just laziness in the sense of, laziness in going right okay i'm actually going to figure out and see whether this is genuinely viable and like you know i've spoken to you about this previously that from a performance point of view there's only really 11 supplements that, yeah. that i would actually go right okay from a performance perspective well actually 12 if you count the one i'm going to go into which is the most potent supplement that That's will enhance true. an individual's ability uh to perform which i'll go into in a second but like there's 11 to choose from really in my opinion and again, I wouldn't use all of them with every individual, but the sure. biggest one really is I, I had one of my coaches the other day. He asked me about a nootropic. And he was like, oh, I've got this new nootropic. Like, you know, I, uh, I take it. And, and all of the other guys around me said that I should take it. Like, and I want to know your opinion. Like, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, how's it been for you? He said, oh, it's been amazing. Like, honestly, like, I've just been absolutely wired. Yeah. And I was like, well, you don't want my opinion then. Yeah. Like, because what I tell you, because if I look at, like, order of magnitude of supplements that will enhance someone's performance, like, top three, really, that are, like, really, really shit hot. Like, number three, I would go with creatine. Absolutely. Number two, I would look at caffeine. Yeah. But the most potent supplement Listen, that is shown to... Shown to enhance yeah, performance yeah. every single time is the placebo. Absolutely. And also there's a reverse of that called the nocebo in the sense of with caffeine, for example, the caffeine essentially raises your performance by between two and 7%. Now, when you don't take caffeine, you can have it in your mind. Oh my God, my performance is going to drop. Absolutely. But physiologically, yeah. your, your body can still perform at that level. Okay, maybe yeah. not to the same level, but it will still perform well. But the problem is, is because you know that you haven't taken it, you'll naturally perform worse. And it's the same with like, oh, I haven't, like we were talking the other day, like about, yeah, uh, I was about to come sleep on to tracking. This. 
where it's like, oh, I feel like I've woken up and I feel like a new man. Yeah. And then I look at my aura ring and it's like, oh, I slept That literally happened to me. I think it was, it might be even in the morning of our call not too long ago. Yeah, it was. It was, and yeah. I woke up and I thought, do you know what? I feel unstoppable today. I had a great oh. night's sleep. Last week I'm buzzing. I can't wait to check my aura ring. And I know obviously you take it with a pinch of salt every time, but as close as a tracker can get, an aura ring's probably up there. So I go, right, I'm going to check my aura ring. Got to have at least seven or eight hours in there. Four hours, 55. I thought, fuck's sake, I feel exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Again, you got to take it, you know, so I, I kind of looked at it for, you know, it, it just highlights how powerful a placebo effect really is. I think especially, you know, there, there's certain times where even I do a workout, sometimes I think, God, if I take a free workout, I'll be buzzing off the walls here. Really, mm. am I going to be? Or is, is the but, but it's interesting you say that because like with pre-workouts, so, um, and I'll remember this. So my, my professor, um, who I did my master's degree in there, he um he did like all of like the cool research in it. So his name is Professor Craig Sale. And I remember in like one of the seminars he held, he said, Oh, go onto Twitter and just type in beta alanine. So it's like, yeah, okay. So I typed it in. And there was just all these meatheads on there that were just like, oh, my beat, my, my beta alanine is like kicking in in my pre-workout. And the thing is that like really, like beta alanine is only really beneficial for for ex like. Solid research has shown that it's beneficial for high intensity exercise between one and four minutes. Yeah. So like when you're doing resistance exercise in the gym, when you're doing a set, it's it's unlikely you're going to get to that sort of like duration, i.e. what beta alanine does is it enhances your ability to deal with the buildup of acid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Omega-2 great into the Absolutely. detail on it. But like in standard resistance exercise, so like when you're like in the gym pushing your weights, you're probably not going to get to the point where you get that buildup of acid where it impacts performance. But anyway, like in the pre-workouts, the dose that they put in, that like in order to get the benefits of beta alanine, you really need to consume it chronically. So you need to almost like in a similar way with creatine, you need to like load up on it. So the benefits come after consistent consumption with it. So just having a one-off like whack of beta alanine in a pre-workout, you're like, well, it's not really hitting the intensity yeah, of exercise that's going to enhance performance. And it's not really one in the dose necessary, but more importantly, not taken the same way. But what it does do is a natural side effect of it in a specific dose is you get skin tingling. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. enough to enhance someone's performance, not because there's something special yeah. about the skin tingling, but it's more, it's like, right. It yeah. must be kicking, kicking in. in. <laughs> but that's why. And, and yeah. to be honest, like you look at, you know, like, well, that's kind of clever. Yeah. You're, you're almost like, putting the placebo in a bottle. So I get that. And it's, again, I did a masterclass for all my coaches the other day, all on pre-workouts and looking at really it's caffeine. Like, and again, if you're taking it chronically, then you will get the benefits of the creatine. You will get the benefits of beta alanine, but I would just save your money and also save the taste of some of this sort of stuff yeah, and just yeah. get a high quality beta alanine supplement and a high quality creatine supplement. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, in and around training for me now, all I take is really electrolytes. And when it mm. comes to a pre-workout, sometimes, and you know, I'm fully aware that the placebo effect for me is what gives me the kick. So sometimes I, it don't even need to be a pre-workout for me. If I have something that takes that shit before I train, I feel like I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, look, ultimately, and again, I say this, like everyone's kind of searching for this perfect on paper strategy, Absolutely. whether it's to optimize fat loss, to optimize training performance, whatever. And I know it's such a cop out sort of like cliche answer, but it really is just down to genuinely what works for you in the sense of yeah. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Absolutely. So I look at like from a fat loss perspective, 
Like optimally, you look at being able to put your body in the optimal state to burn fat, like a ketogenic diet. Ketogenic diet puts an individual in a state where they can burn fat optimally. But if someone comes to me and they're getting results on a high carb, low fat diet and it works for them, I'm like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like I'm not going to change it. I would rather. And again, like ultimately when it comes to people trying to better their nutrition, don't try and reinvent the wheel and try and get this whole brand new way of eating. Actually take what you've already got. That's good. And build from that because you've yeah, already got yeah. the habits. Absolutely. You've already got the idea of the food. You've already got, it already kind of fits into your routine. That's the hardest bit, right? That yeah, is the hardest 100%. part. You know, gaining the, the the front couple of weeks of a diet when you're gaining the momentum, you're gaining the habits. And I guess you're kind of coming to terms with the method that you've chosen. I suppose that is the hardest period of time. After there, it's just refining and building it more and more and more. And I guess gaining the education along the way. But you know, you once you get through that initial stage, if it's working, it's not like oh God, I saw this fitness influencer talk about this. Maybe I should change it halfway through. I'm dropping weight. I, I feel good. But yeah, he's doing that yeah. one. So I'm going to do that one as well. All of a sudden, start from day one, scratch, build it again. And see, I suppose it kind of is a big, big reason why people yo-yo diet. Yeah, but also, and I think this is another thing that has been really, really lost in the industry, that like everyone's out there searching for this one diet, that it's like, right, okay, it's just, it's just if it fits your macros. Like, calorie like a calorie goal on a protein target or you have people down the other end who it's just like purely like about insulin the ketogenic diet well the thing is that like actually both are wrong in the sense of look i am a proponent of a ketogenic diet in the sense that there is too much research around it that shows how beneficial it can be when everyone needs to be on it but ultimately some people do need to go to that level because especially when it comes to burning fat you have a spectrum of an individual's ability to lose weight you have people down here who just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and never put a pound on. You have people down here who look at a Twix and put five kilos on. I'm in that position that I have to, like, to, to manage my own weight, I have to keep my carbs down. However, my brother, yeah. other end of the spectrum, he can kind of just eat what he wants because genetically, you know, there is a predisposition for an individual's ability to tolerate specific tolerate, foods yeah. and be able to lose weight. So ultimately, it's like, right, okay, you might feel like you're down here. And you're having to do something different. And then you see everyone else eating like bowls of pasta and like, you know, all of these sorts of foods and then be like, well, hold on. I'm on this diet. Yeah, I'm losing weight, but I can't eat any of that sort of stuff. Well, it's like, well, for you, that stuff don't work for you. But then also if you have someone up here who's eating loads of carbs, it's like, well, if you're getting a result, then you don't need to kind of be down there. So ultimately the best feedback you can get really is to determine like how your results coming up. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I think that that is so common where it's like, oh, it worked for X. Got to work for everyone, isn't it? You know, that one worked for, for John. It's got to work for me as well. And again, also diving into the idea behind sustainability, I suppose, especially for somebody who may, might have a little bit more weight to lose. You know, you might be thinking, right, let's say I want to jump on X diet and X diet. If you can't stick to that for a week without going, fuck me, I just want to kill myself. I can't deal with this. Mm-hmm. This is horrible. I can't yeah. stand it. Yeah. Are you going to be able to do that for 6, 12, 16 and so forth? Probably not. Yeah. And ultimately, like I would say is to every client that I used to work with, and even with my athletes now, like because I used to run a um you know weight management business, just helping people lose weight, you know, change yeah. their lifestyle, etc. And I say, look, the goal isn't to lose as much weight as fast as possible. Like, yeah, okay, results happen quickly, but they're not a quick fix. It's actually about building something that one brings you a result. But more importantly, it's something you genuinely enjoy and you can see yourself sticking to for the rest of your life. And ultimately, I think that like 
your way of eating really needs to be something that you actually get excited about yeah, and you actually absolutely. enjoy. It's like, I think about the food I eat. The food I eat is just like incredibly tasty food that I love. And it just happens to be healthy. Like yeah. for me, it happens to allow me to like hit my fitness goals. And ultimately that's why I'll always get long-term success because it's like, well, I don't miss anything. And look, I'm all for, I'm all for like, you know, having a balanced way of eating where it's like, you know, you can have a bag of crisps and you can have a little bit of this. But ultimately, if your results aren't reflecting that, then there has to be an element of restriction with things. Yeah, yeah. But then ultimately, it's about making it so that your way of eating is something you genuinely enjoy anyway. You kind of don't even miss that sort of stuff anyway. I so it's agree, like a yeah, big, yeah. And this is where I also look at restriction. That like, I feel that restrictions got, and this could be a little bit controversial, but who cares? Um, that like, cool. yeah, everyone kind of like talks about, oh, you've got to have this balance and all this sort of stuff. It's like, okay. I get that, but, and Matthew McConaughey said this in one of his, um, he did an amazing speech at, um, I think it was the University of Houston, amazing video, if anyone wants to listen to that, unbelievable. And he says that some things are just a lot more rewarding when you break a sweat to get there. So yeah. like with me, I look at it and I go, right, I love my beer, yeah? In the sense of, I am very particular about the type of beer that I love, and it really just gets me fired. Like it's a specific type of wheat beer and it reminds me of when I used to go skiing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is that like when I have that beer, it's like, yeah. If I had that every day, it wouldn't taste the same. Yeah. Like, it doesn't taste as good. Yeah, absolutely. But it tastes amazing after that sort of like two week stint of not tucking into those things. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. And because yeah, yeah. it's not like and, and that's the thing to say with the business, like you set business up, I've set a business up. If it was easy, it wouldn't be as rewarding. Absolutely not. Absolutely and, and ultimately, not. would you have got the level of success that, that you've got? I wouldn't have got the level of success that I have without an element of restriction. Like I think about it, I was 22. And I think with that as well, you learn so much about yourself through that kind of when you're in those deeper darker places and you know, yeah. i suppose there's two ways to look at it and again this is it's big kind of toss-up especially in the fitness industry where people go oh you know if the roots are sustainable neither is a result but at the same time it needs to be sustainable for the period of time that you're doing it but after that you're kind of flipping the switch and you're moving away from that anyway and like you say you know sometimes when you do go to those deeper darker places it's where you actually learn a lot about yourself so I think but, everybody yeah. at some point's got to go to that point. So you can actually benefit not just from a results perspective, but what else are you going to learn about you, your discipline, your willpower, when you do go to those deeper, darker places, when you do be a little bit restrictive, when you do go, do you know what? I'm going to give a few things up and sacrifice a few things, get a fucking ridiculously good result and learn about me across the journey as well. Do you agree? And ultimately, yeah. And life's about priorities in the sense of the ultimately it's like, right, and this is going to sound controversial and potentially insensitive, but it's like, what is more important to you? A bag of crisps or solving something that has emotionally destroyed your life for so long? Absolutely. And it's like, yeah. you know, and I find that, you know, again, like someone could probably look at my lifestyle from a business point of view and think you're overly obsessed with this. And I'm like, well, yeah, probably, but I wouldn't do anything else. So it might seem restrictive on the outside, but like, I kind of don't miss out on like going out and getting yeah, absolutely yeah. smashed because I did that at uni. I've had my fix of it. And I'm like, first of all, I can't hack it anymore anyway. Like I go out, I'm absolutely short and I'm like dead for a week. Yeah. But then ultimately it's like, well, I've kind of done that. And actually that level of that, I'm not trying to say that like to get success from a, um, a business point of view or with your food, you can't go and do that. Yeah, of course. Not. I'm trying yeah, to say for me, 
that like that behavior doesn't allow me to actually progress with my life. And it also doesn't fulfill me anyway, where it's like, well, actually what is more important to me growing my business and, you know, looking after myself from a health point of view. And these are the actions necessary to achieve that. Or I could very easily just go to the pub and get hammered every single weekend. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, And I don't think that there's a problem with going to the pub and getting hammered, no, but it's got to be worth it. Yeah. Where yeah, I'm yeah. like, and I say this to every client I ever used to work with, I'd be like, what's your thing? Like, what's your thing? Because like, if you're going to break diet or go off, and by break diet, I don't mean break diet in the sense of go and have other foods. It's more about your mindset that like, that when you're on a diet or you're being bang on with things, it's more the mental momentum that you have. Yeah. That yeah you're like, yeah. Right, okay, I'm making the right choices. I'm going down here, down here, down here. And the problem with going off track sometimes is you can break that momentum and it can be very hard to get back into the swing Absolutely. of things. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of look at it and I go, well, if you are going to do that, make sure it's worth it. Like make sure it's something that actually gets yeah, you ticking. Like for me, picture. I don't have a sweet tooth. Like chocolate really doesn't do anything for me. So if I'm sat here, nibbling on a bag of minstrels i would be pissed off of myself because it's like well i've kind of broken my momentum and it's something that really didn't tickle my pickle anyway yeah whereas yeah. if it was an ice cold beer a family bag of tangy like tangy cheese doritos the proper sour and cream uh, and chive dip yeah i'm like well at least if i broke it it was worth it was worth every second absolutely i could and not agree with you more there and and ultimately it's like right i think about my food i kind of plan it every two weeks because i found that that's sort of the sweet spot where it's yeah, yeah, yeah. a long enough period of restriction for me to not feel like i'm going overly restricted but then it's it's also long enough to then be like right i get the reward of the sense of that when i kick back after a long week and have a couple of beers i'm like yeah it's still got that yeah absolutely you know what i mean 100 percent. and i think on that as well like when it comes to being restrictive as well i think people look at it straight away and i think they think that's the thing that's going to put me off you know and i think when we look at restriction as well it's not necessarily like restrictions yourself to the point where you can only do shit that you hate it is just sometimes something you've got to give to get you where you want to go you know and i think in particular people that you, we can even look at it from like a digestive point of view for instance if you are getting to the point where you literally put yourself where you're trying to have the things you hate you think that's what works then you're scuffling your food down in five seconds your digestion's all over the place all of a sudden it becomes you know counterproductive so it's not you know you need to restrict yourself to the point where you absolutely hate everything you do it's sometimes to get the greater good you've got to give something something's got to be sacrificed to then get from the the, the bigger picture if you will a hundred percent and like you know again like again you look at it from a restriction point of view it's very hard to get motivated, stay on track with something that you don't enjoy, that doesn't bring you pleasure. Like if you're consistently yeah. experiencing pain and there is no reward, eventually it's only like, it's you're only human, human to ask yourself that question yeah. to be like, well, why would I bother doing this? Because it's like for myself, I know exactly what I would need to do to get in like unbelievable shape of the like, the level that you would need to, to get on like the cover of men's health. I know the guy who could do all the airbrushing for it as well. Yeah. But like, but regardless of that, I know what that would take, but I'm not interested in that lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't want to do that. Absolutely. So it's not worth the sacrifice. However, if it's something that really, really is worth the sacrifice for you, do it. but your goal also needs to be to make sure that the process of doing it can be as enjoyable as it possibly can be. Because otherwise, it's like, again, I look at it with my food. I just love all the food that I eat. So it's easy for me to be consistent with it. And it's the same with like, you know, a coach uh, training their clients. 
that like your goal needs to be to understand is this something you genuinely enjoy is this something that actually fits in with your life so like you said you know with, with busy entrepreneurs it's like well you know on paper it could say that you need to eat every three hours Absolutely. but if you can't do yeah. that yeah. then it's yeah. not going to work so it has to be something that one brings you a result two is something that 80 to 90 percent of the time you're like yeah i really enjoy it because what that does is it gives you the positive reinforcement that I am going to continue with this because it's not actually that difficult. That 10%, I can cope with that 10% of going, I really would love a beer or I really would love a bag of crisps. I can cope with that. But then also when you go on holiday, for example, you go and have a break, it's easy to fall back onto because yeah, you're like, right, it's not, oh, I've got to start my diet all over again. It's just, well, this is just how I eat. Absolutely. Yeah, it becomes that lifestyle. And again, some like you say, sometimes it is just necessary you know, sometimes it is just necessary to look at the pros and cons and go, right, if by me doing X, let me look at a bigger picture. And, it, and, you know, it don't always just come down to nutrition and the food you're eating. It comes down to like lifestyle as well. I mean, the, the weekend, a few a few weeks back, a, a few friends of mine, all right, we're going to have a barbecue, we're going to stay out you know, we're going we're gonna to go out afterwards. Are you joining? I, I would love to, mate. But, you know, I, I've got a call in the office first thing tomorrow morning of a client from America. You know, he, he's looking to join the team. And I, I weighed up the pros and cons and I thought I could go out and have a great time. But for me, if I get an opportunity to change somebody else's life, I'm going to I'm gonna take this one because for me, it's just going to drive me that little bit more and had to give something. But in return, I got something even bigger. You know, the opportunity yeah. to change somebody's life for the better. So it's just about weighing up those pros and cons and going, right, you know, for instance, like you say, if I'm going to sit down, like, you know, most Friday evenings, I like to sit down, I get Nando's, I, I splash out a little bit. And sometimes I weigh up the pros and cons. Am I going to go over my calories? Probably. Am I going to have a great time doing so? Watch a good movie and have a good night? Yeah. Okay, cool, great. So worst case scenario, I go over a little bit. I can probably make up for it tomorrow, but I know I'm going to have a good time and I know I don't regret it. So I'm yeah. happy with the choice I've made. And ultimately, like, and again, this is a mindset that I've been able to kind of instill into myself and it's taken a lot of time and practice. And it's the mindset that I try and push into the coaches that I train. The like, so the Olympic rowing team, you might've heard this before, but the Olympic rowing team had a mantra when they were training for the 2012 Olympics of will it make the boat go faster? I.e., when they were, the, is what we're doing right now going to make us row faster in two years' time? The answer is no, don't do it. Yeah. The answer is yes, do it. I.e., is what I'm doing right now getting me one step closer to where I want to be or one step further away? Now, before you can adopt that mindset, like you have to define what your boat is and you have to define like what is the overall picture? What is the goal? And ultimately, you look at it. And I said this to my coach, it's like, your clients don't want to lose weight. Your clients don't want to get in shape they want what the life looks like of when, they have, the, yeah. when they've lost the weight when they're in shape so ultimately you have to make sure that they're aware of well what is that life and ultimately you yeah, look at that, you go, well, that life isn't just kind of like consistently nibbling on you know streaks of lettuce it's it's about how like what does that life look like so ultimately they have to ask themselves that question well when i'm doing what i'm doing is that getting me one step closer to where i want to be of that life or is it one step further away so i look at it and I go right i want to make sure that the lifestyle i have i still have time to go out with my friends and this similar sort of capacity yeah. to what you were saying it's like like my two best friends one lives in hereford one lives in leeds and i don't get to see them anywhere near as often as i should yeah, yeah they yeah. call me up and they say cal let's go for a beer let's go for a pizza i'm there and i'm there as me not there as a nutritionist so because my priority is like right okay i am there just to be me However, if Tom, Dick and Harry call me up and say, let's go for a beer and a pizza, same beer, same pizza, different situation. So I'm like, well, 
I'm not really that no, fussed. No disrespect, yeah. Tom, Dick and Harry, but I'm not really that bothered. In that time, my main overall goal is more important to me. And that's where it's about being able to have that that ability to, to be aware of your priority list, ultimately, yeah, and find out, right, okay, where does this action that I'm about to take fit on that priority list? And then it makes decision-making a lot easier. I think way. with that as well, that's why I think it's so important to go through a strong goal-setting process in the front end. Because, I mean, I've done a podcast about it not too long ago about finding your why. So, for instance, if someone comes to me and they go, hey, Reese, I want to drop a bit of body fat. Great. Why? Uh, oh, oh god. Um, oh well, I suppose I wouldn't mind feeling a bit more confident. That's amazing. Why? Well, I suppose if I'm a bit more confident, I probably, you know, I probably wouldn't mind going out with my friends and have a bit more of a social life. That's amazing. What you know, what, what makes us want to have a stronger social life? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, now you mentioned it, I probably am looking for a partner, you know, I feel a bit lonely recently. Okay, great. So it's gone from what am I dropping yeah. a bit of weight to I want to improve my social life, confidence, I want to find a life partner. You know, it's so much stronger. So when it comes to weighing yeah. up the pros and cons, when it comes to making these decisions. You have right. This is my strong why. This is the current scenario. What means more to me at this moment in time? And yeah. sometimes it is going to be catching up with old friends. Sometimes in the moment, absolutely. Catch up with a friend. That's fine because you know in that moment that means more to you. And tomorrow, yeah. that memory and that that moment will still mean more to you. So that's great. Yeah. If you wake up tomorrow morning and think, fuck's sake, why did I do that? You need to have that proactiveness to think about that prior. Ult- yeah, ultimately, again, like it's you have to have that emotional connection and reason. And I'm not just limiting this to health and fitness, but even to business, like from an entrepreneurship perspective, like you have to have that, like that drive, that why. Yeah. And ultimately, like I found that again, and I'm going to really, really butcher a Tony Robbins quote here. He talks about yeah. like how as human beings, we either move away from pain or towards pleasure. So ultimately it's like, right, okay, if that's how we operate, then I need to define what are the pains that I'm moving away from and what is the pleasure I'm moving towards. And ultimately, again, I feel that like life is like sales in the sense of, if you think about what sales is, sales is the process of you convincing someone, whether that is yourself, that you have a solution to a problem. Yeah. And ultimately you think about that and you go, right. Okay. Well, how do I kind of like go about selling slash convincing someone, whether that's myself to take an action by combining emotion and logic. So you're like, right, okay, the emotional aspect of things, well, emotion really is moving away from pain and towards pleasure. So I look at it with myself. What are the pains that I've experienced in my life that I'm trying to move away, away from? And how can I frequently remind myself that there's a reason why I have my two degrees on on my desk, because it reminds me that I was the fit kid at school and that I wasn't going anywhere with my life. There's a reason why my mum bought me this certificate that says ADHD that I have on here, because it reminds me of that pain and also the things that I've achieved by doing it. But then ultimately I look at, right, what are the pleasures that I have that I'm moving towards? Well, like ultimately I have a little mug here where I want to purchase an apartment in Paris with my partner so we can spend that life together. So I have that to to frequently remind myself and I have loads of other things dotted around me consistently that remind me of, right, okay, these are the emotional reasons and these are the whys. But then ultimately again with sales, you can get all emotionally charged, amazing. But if it logically doesn't make sense, then you get buyer's remorse in the sense of, I can get myself all emotionally charged. Like, right, yeah, I'm going to make myself look like Chris Hemsworth or right, yeah, I'm going to be like, you know, the next Jeff Bezos and build this unbelievable empire. But if the process of how it's actually going to be done doesn't make sense to me in the sense of one, I can't actually see how that would bring me the result. Two, I can't actually see myself actioning it because it doesn't fit in with my lifestyle, then it doesn't make sense. So it's finding a way to emotionally be able to charge yourself. So reminding yourselves, what are the pains you're moving away from? What are the pleasures you're moving towards? What's this new life look like? 
But then ultimately, does your plan make sense in the sense of it's a way that you can do it in a way that it fits in with your lifestyle, you genuinely yeah, enjoy it, yeah, yeah. and it will breed that result. And you combine the two, you become unstoppable, really. I could not agree with you more. And I think you literally preach to the choir there, mate. And, you know, I, I really, really like the fact that you've got the little things dotted around, like the ADHD or like the mug with uh, with Paris and these little reminders of look how far I've come, look how far I'm still trying to go. That constant reminder. And again, you know, people can do that for, from a result perspective as well. Like, you know, if, if you're kind of looking at, right, you know, if I'm taking my photos each week, am I going to, you know, compared to the old one, when I get eight weeks in, go, fuck it, I've come so far. But yeah. here's where I still want to go. Maybe, you know, I always don't say, I always say you shouldn't necessarily compare yourself to someone you want to be. But at the same time, if you have a picture of somebody you think this is, I would love to be there. You, that motivates you you bloody use it yeah. this is where i was this is where i am this yeah. is where i'm trying to go but i find with the comparison aspect of things it's being careful with who you're comparing yourself Absolutely. to yeah. because yeah. i'm 28 yeah i look at that and i know i'm going very very gray on the side here but i am <laughs> that's that's stress um but i look at it and i go right stephen bartlett ben francis stephen bartlett diary of the ceo hottest thing on the market right now ben francis owner of gymshark <laughs> if i'm consistently comparing myself to these guys i'm gonna feel like a failure yeah, yeah absolutely however actually who should i compare myself to and it's not necessarily what i've done but it's who i've become in the sense of actually i like to compare myself to who i was six months ago what was my life like I and mean, actually when i like when i start to think back at that and then see everything that's happened but more importantly the person i've become now I don't feel like such a failure anymore. And it's like, right, actually, I'm doing all right. I see a also, really good quote. I heard on that as well. Um, it, I think it was at the Oscars. Yeah, it's Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, when he go, when they say, you know, who's your hero? It's me in 10 years time. I thought it was yeah. fucking brilliant. Absolutely um, brilliant. Yeah, goosebumps off that. Like, cause yeah, that, that, that speech, like that speech is incredible. I think he's an incredible man anyway. He is brilliant. And like, and yeah. he talks about that. He's like, you know, who am I chasing? Like I'm chasing myself. Like, what does that look like? What do I want to be? Who do I want to be? Who do I want to help? What do I want to be doing? And I just think he's like, how, how he said that is just so like, perfect. So perfect. Yeah. yeah again, the nail on the head. Yeah. And, and also by like, by reflecting and, and, and seeing everything that you've actually done. That's why I think journaling is such a powerful exercise because you can actually see it written down how you were feeling in a specific moment. Like, Funny enough, like I had an amazing success on Friday. Like I did a uh, full event, loads of coaches, whole day of talking. Like I was yeah. absolutely knackered. And and it, it went amazingly, but my head, like there was still like, oh, it could have been like this and it could have been like that. But then I wrote, I, I, I picked up my journal and had a look at it from March. But anyway, that's like what, four and a half, five months yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. And I was feeling a little bit deflated and I read that. And like, and my goal was to hold a two hour webinar that four people would turn up to. And it's like, I literally, the number of people on the event that I actually did on the Friday was like far more than that. And yeah, the delivery, like it was a full day. And I was like, you should, look, look at that. And that's where like, it's that, managing yeah. our expectations. Absolutely. Us. Yeah. And I think that's the key word, managing expectations. You know, so, you know, you get a lot of people going, oh, you know, can I drop three stone in three weeks? No, no, you can't. No, well, not a body fat anyway. You know, mm -hmm. you might jump in a sauna for a couple of hours, but yeah. it, it is important to manage expectations. And I think that's where, you know, you, you fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And if you don't set the right expectations, real ambitious, but realistic, you're going to be putting yourself in a position where you get to X deadline, where you expect to be in a certain place and go, I'm not here. 
back to square one. I'm giving up. This ain't for me. Fuck this. This ain't for me. Mm-hmm. So I think that's such a good, big point as well to lean on them. One thing I love to lean on as well is, you know, you, we, we lent on your starting 11 supplements. Yeah. Go on. Who's starting in goal? What is your starting 11? Right. Let me get my actual, because I've actually gone for a four. I've gone for a four, three, two, one formation. No, four, two, three, one formation, actually, that I went for. Um, let me get this up because I need to make sure I actually find out who my goal is. Well, that's a strong formation. Four, two, yeah, it's three, very one. strong. It's like um, I'm going for like the Jose Mourinho area when I've got um, Claude Makaleli, Mike Lessian, just like just hanging in front of the back four. Right. Um, yeah. um, where, where have I got my. Um, here we go. Right. It's a cool idea though that having like a. a Do you want me to share my screen or? Um, I think most or... people probably be listening. So I think sure. it'd, be, it'd be cool to, to break right. it down. So ultimately, I look at, right, okay, what is this 11 really? Like, I talk about it from a supplementation perspective. That, like, there's loads and loads, there's thousands and thousands of supplements out there. But there's only really, in my opinion, like, apart from for specific things, whether you're, like, you know, vitamin deficient, you're, you know, you require a specific mineral. Like, from a performance-enhancing perspective, there's only really 11 that have shown to have proper benefits from a performance perspective. So in goal, we've got caffeine. Um, So I'll go through each one anyway. Caffeine, whey protein, casein protein, beta alanine, omega-3. We've got melatonin, but taking in the right way. Vitamin D supplementation, sodium bicarb, creatine, electrolytes, and dietary nitrate. So like really, what are all of these? Like I said, that- It's a strong body 11, that's what it is. (laughs) Very bloody strong and a very expensive one if you get the right one. But like, ultimately, do I think that every single individual should be on those? No, because again, not everyone experiences those specific issues. So you look at like, right, okay, beta alanine supplementation. Absolutely. Uh, What does beta alanine do? Really, again, to really simplify, it flushes acid out of the muscle by increasing muscle carnosine concentrations. And what that can do is that, you know, when you're like, if you've ran, let's say you're doing like hill sprints or you've done like you're on a ski erg or something like that. Yeah. And it's like your legs are starting to feel like not even jelly, but just rocks. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's the buildup of acid. Now, most people look at that and think, oh, it's lactic acid. Like, yeah, okay, you do get a buildup of lactate, but it's actually um, something called a hydrogen ion that actually impairs the performance. And what beta alanine does is it increases um, the production of this um, compound called carnosine that flushes the acid out of the muscle. But like you only really experience that buildup of acid during intensities that are very high between one and four minutes of exercise. So you have to ask yourself the question and ultimately it's called performance limiting factor. So you break that down, you reverse engineer it. What are the factors that are going to limit my performance during the exercise that I'm doing? So if you're just in the gym and you're trying to kind of increase muscle mass, well, you're probably not going to be doing the exercises that beta alanine would actually help with. So you probably don't need to supplement with it. But really, you look at that and you go, right, out of my 11, for example, what are the ones that could be beneficial for individuals who want to kind of increase muscle mass? Well, naturally, you look at caffeine. Why caffeine? Well, what caffeine can do is increase levels of dopamine, which is responsible for movement. And as a result, you can get between the two. And there's a couple of other ways as well through the sodium potassium pump. But ultimately, you go, right, what does caffeine do? It can enhance resistance exercise strength by between two and seven percent. So that's something that I could potentially consider. But with caffeine, again, and this is where you have to go to the levels of supplements that you're looking at. You go, right, okay, caffeine could be amazing. But what's a couple of problems that I have with it? 
Well, first yeah, of all, not everyone is sensitive to caffeine. Really, it's kind of a 50-50 that you have a, um, a gene called the Adora 2 gene that is kind of like 50-50 and that some people, they have some caffeine that feels like their eyeballs are going to explode. And you have others who are like, hasn't really done anything to me and touch <laughs> yeah. the sides. Yeah. So really, it's looking at by going, but that determines like the amount you should go with because on paper, it says, right, you should have between three and six milligrams per kilo. But- if you're someone who feels like their heart's going to blow up after having caffeine or going to that level, that's like for me, yeah. roughly about 250 milligrams. That could be like, for me, I'm too sensitive for that. Yeah. So like on paper, it's like, right, that could enhance my performance, but I go there, I feel awful and that screws up my session. Absolutely. But then the other big thing is you go, right, okay, well, that's going to, caffeine can stay active. Like, you know, there's this thing that talks about like the half-life yeah. of caffeine, that it sticks around for between four and six hours. Yeah. But it's still around in the system. For, that just means longer. half of it's gone out. Yeah, yeah. Half of it's gone out of your system. If you've had like 400 milligrams of caffeine, six hours later, you've still got 200 milligrams, which is like the equivalent of three cups of coffee yeah, floating yeah. around your vascular system. But the, so the problem is the, the, the impact on your sleep. Like yeah, it's blocks adenosine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. but well, two ways. So one, it blocks adenosine in the sense of it can make it feel harder to fall asleep. Yeah. And the other problem is that so it blocks it by the again, I, I won't get too bio um uh bio um what's the word I'm trying to say biochemical here, but like ultimately you have like a receptor yeah, that yeah, the adenosine yeah, yeah, attaches yeah. onto. Yeah. So what caffeine does is that caffeine attaches onto the adenosine receptor. But the more and more you drink caffeine, the more and more you become habitual to it, the more and more like receptors that can pick up adenosine so actually that's why it starts to wear off because then you start to respond to the adenosine more and more yeah. so then actually when you stop drinking the caffeine you become so tired yeah, because you crash. become more responsive to this adenosine yeah. but then more importantly so one it can make it harder to fall asleep when you're actually kind of like you know when you you've consumed when you're in a caffeinated state but the other one is the specific impact it has on your deep sleep so your slow wave yeah. sleep that caffeine actually impairs your ability to get into slow wave sleep. Now, the problem with that is that that's where you produce human growth hormone. It's also where the immune system's really kind of like replenishing and regenerating itself. And your immune system essentially will mop up the muscles and make it like, you know, actually repair it. Yeah. So if you're not able to get into that deep sleep, well, you look and you go, yeah, okay, the caffeine enhanced my performance. But then if you look at it and you go, right, what's going to be ultimately more beneficial for the muscular growth? getting a 2% increase in performance during my resistance exercise session through having caffeine or the power of my sleep yeah, wins course. every single time. But the other bigger problem is that like caffeine screws with your sleep, makes it harder to get to sleep, but then also prevents you from getting that replenishing deep sleep. So that makes you more tired. So when you're tired, what do people go for? Some coffee, yeah. which then screws up your sleep yeah. even more, which then makes you yeah, tired yeah, again. So you don't have more coffee. And it's this vicious cycle. I think on there, the other thing they'll go to is either that or more food. And they think, oh, I'm not dropping body weight. Why? But every time you're tired, you're just eating more, eating more, and eating more. Then you're eating too close to sleep. And it's another thing that messes up with your sleeping. It's just such a vicious cycle where it's kind of like you're, 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 you're feeding the problem with another problem, not a solution. Yeah, 100%. And like, and again, and that's where it can start to spiral. That ultimately you look at like, you know, when it comes to weight loss, part of the issue with sleep that when you're in a sleep deprived state like it's not only the appetite aspect of things that first of all you get a 30 increase in the hunger hormone ghrelin, ghrelin yeah, so yeah, that yeah. makes you feel hungry 
but also you become less sensitive to the hormone called leptin. It's not necessarily that you produce less of it, you produce it, but you don't feel as sensitive to it. So naturally what happens is you don't feel as full and satisfied from your meals. So naturally you find that sleep deprived individuals consume about an extra two to 600 kcals per day. That yeah. can add up. But then the other problem is that you get this like this firing of the brain of the brain region called the amygdala, which is essentially responsible for emotional um, impulsive activity. So yeah. naturally you're in this state of that's why, like sometimes if you've been on like the beers all night and you get to like seven o'clock in the morning, you're a little bit hyperactive. It's because your amygdala is firing, going like emotion, emotion, emotion. And that can then stop your logical decision making. But then the biggest one, it sounds really, really obvious and unsciencey. But when you're tired, you're less likely to want to cook. I'm like, yeah, but it's one that people don't actually really. That, that, it's that one of those where, oh, I get that. But they don't because they don't action it. You know, yeah. so it is a big point to bring up. And sometimes mm. people just need to slap in the face with it and just go, don't fucking forget this one. <laughs> yeah. So like, ultimately, come back to the whole supplement thing. Like, I can go down each rabbit hole. We'll be talking for days. But like, really, it's looking at, right, okay, what are the things that are going to actually impact my performance negatively? So ultimately, I get up like, you know, from these, if I look at the ones that would probably enhance performance, you're looking at caffeine. So let's say if we're looking at someone who wants to build muscle mass, yeah. like caffeine, whey protein immediately post one, it has that leucine in there that can potentially yeah, trigger yeah. protein synthesis to a greater deal. But more importantly, like, it's just convenient. There's a convenient and easy is, way to yeah, just get yeah, some yeah. protein in. Then you have casein. So casein protein, again, like it's some quite new research around it. That if you look at whey, whey is a very fast acting supplement. It gets digested rapidly and yeah, it really yeah, kind yeah. of like floods, yeah. um, you know, floods the body with amino acids. And this is how I look at it from like a training point of view. That ultimately your muscle is a ball of protein. So if I want to make a ball of protein bigger, I just add more protein to it. So it's like looking at it by going, right, okay, it's like building a house made out of bricks. What your training does is essentially give the builders the instruction on what type of train or what type of house they need to build. Yeah. So your training sends the builders to the house. But if you and, and the quality of your training determines how good these builders actually are. Yeah. Absolutely. If you don't give the builders any bricks, they can't do anything. They can't build the house. Absolutely. So ultimately, yeah, what yeah. your protein is is sending the builders to the house with some bit with some bricks so they can get started. So ultimately you go, what? Right, why would I potentially take on a whey protein shake post-exercise? Because what I'm doing is I'm sending the builders to the house with the bricks already because it gets digested straight away. Yeah. But the problem is that come the evening, like no one's delivering bricks anymore. So yeah, you're like, right, yeah. how, how can I potentially... Steps in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what, what casein is, that it's the opposite, that like it drip feeds protein into the blood. Now, what's interesting is that if you think about what triggers muscular growth post-exercise, it's this amino acid called leucine. So you have something called the leucine trigger hypothesis that starts the wheels in motion, what it does. But what's interesting is that a pre-sleep whey protein shake high in leucine doesn't seem to increase protein synthesis, i.e. your ability to build muscle mass, which yeah. is very interesting and strange. However, what casein does that casein drip feeds protein into the body, uh, sorry, into the blood. And it does it in a different way to whey. Pardon that pun, that's terrible. But essentially, <laughs> what's been found is that typically the standard dose that you would find on a casein supplement will be around 25 or 30 grams of protein. That hasn't shown to be enough to actually trigger muscular growth. However, when you actually get up to doses of like 40 to 48 grams of casein, that that is shown to actually increase protein synthesis by 22%. 
So that's actually quite interesting. And more importantly, that it's shown to enhance the ability to perform a resistance exercise session the following day. So it can enhance recovery. But beautifully, if you think about whey protein, it's rapidly digested and your body will continue to build muscle for about three hours. So you find protein synthesis continues for about three and a half hours. But casein is about six and a half hours. So you get this continuous um, continuation of protein synthesis over a six and a half hour period, which is roughly the duration when you go to sleep. So I kind of look at it by going, right, okay, your builders can cope with a shipment of bricks for about three hours worth of bricks. So every three hours, ideally, what you're doing by consuming protein is you're pressing a button in the body to say, build muscle, build muscle, build muscle. And you can press that every three hours, roughly. But when you're sleeping, you can continue to actually press that button for that duration of time. And another thing, which sounds really obvious, but like ultimately, if you think about why you would potentially want to get some form of casein in there is that it's an easy way to get some extra protein in late at night. But if it gets to like 10 o'clock in the evening, I don't really want to muster up a ribeye steak. Like, yeah, I don't really want to be cooking that. So it's that level of convenience as well, right? Yeah, exactly. So again, you look at that, an extra 40 grams a day is an extra 280 grams a week. You do that by 52, that's an extra 14,500 grams of protein. Yeah. So it sounds really silly, but it's that power of compounding that That's someone it, might go, well, the only difference is that you have more protein. There's nothing special about it. It's like, well, okay, why is that a problem? Like if it's convenient and an easy way to get some extra protein in, there might be like some mechanistic studies that say, yeah, okay, this might be good and it might not. But if it's an easy and convenient way to get some protein in, go for it. Especially if you are somebody who doesn't have the convenience of every couple of hours cooking a full meal, something like a supplement in a casing supplement alongside a way could be really beneficial just to help you hit those numbers. If from a day-to-day perspective, you struggle because let's be honest, you know, to, to optimize a lot of body composition results, you need to have a great level of protein. It's not always easy to hit for, from a nutritional perspective for somebody who lives a normal lifestyle. Now, don't get me wrong, for a coach and, and, and a lot of athletes, it might be a lot easier, especially those on the professional stage and might have cooks or people who can make these meals for you and be there in your corner to cook for you at certain times and you take it at certain times and that's brilliant. But if you're a mother of three children and you work full time, or if you're an exec and you've got meetings back to back to back to back, and you've got to look after employees times 50, you know, these kind of things come into play. We now need to understand a little bit of convenience. And one thing I think it'd be really good to lean on with that is obviously, you know, it's all when well I go going, right, I've got a casein supplement, I've got another one, but when we kind of actually look at the quality of the supplements, how do we know what to trust? Because, you know, a lot of them yeah. can be contaminated. Well, ultimately, coming back to just very quickly the point that you've just made, that there is this fear of taking supplements. And, and it's justified because there's so much bullshit out there. Absolutely. So it's like, well, I don't know if what I'm taking is right. Yeah. So, like, whoever's questioning whether I should take this or not, their questions are completely justified. Did, yeah. Because, like, you know, I would completely understand it. But then also there is also this obsession with a food only approach where don't get me wrong. Like there should certainly be a food first approach, but it shouldn't be food only because supplements can be beneficial for, for five main reasons. First of all, if you have someone who's nutrient deficient and they're not getting that level of nutrients necessary in the blood, it's like, for example, if you've got someone who, who has, I know this is a really, really extreme example. If you've got someone who's got scurvy, you're not going to then not tell them to have a vitamin C yeah, supplement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you, you take it for that reason. Secondly, 
like convenience, like lifestyle gets in the way. So if you want to get some protein in and if it's a difference between going, right, okay, I'm just going to bring a shake around with me or I'm not going to have anything. Like It's so easy to go to the gym and bring a protein shake with you. Yeah. It's easy to just have it at the off, have a tub of protein powder at the office. So it's just there. And if it's going to be the difference between having that, like that sweet little kick from a protein powder versus a bar of chocolate, just go and have yeah, that. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's an easy and convenient way to do that. But then also, like, it can be very hard to get certain nutrients from the diet in the quantities necessary. So I look at That's vitamin it, the D, for example. Exactly that. If you look at vitamin D, for example, you can find it in the diet, in certain oily fish, in eggs that have been fortified with it. But it's hard to get it. And sometimes it's hard to get outside because I'm in an office all day. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'd love the world to be all sunshine and rainbows and everyone to be able to just be like, you know, outside all of the time, everyone blowing bubbles and just loving life and having all the time. But that's not reality. Not, no. so sometimes, especially if you're a busy entrepreneur, or you're an exec, like working at very high level, leading a very, very fast paced life. Like you, you, these things can be beneficial for you. Absolutely. But then the other one is that I don't eat fish. The reason I don't eat fish is because I don't like it. I really wish I did. I really wish I loved salmon. Yeah, I really yeah, wish yeah, I loved yeah. mackerel. But I hate it. Like it just like I feel like I want to vomit every single time I eat it. But I want to get omega threes in there. Yeah. So naturally, because I don't like it, I have to take a supplement. But then the other one is that that it's like for example, creatine you find in meat, but the amount necessary oh, no. yeah. to enhance performance isn't quite there. To get three grams of creatine, you need to be having well, it's more like two to three grams of creatine. You've got to have at least five hundred grams yeah. of uncooked beef. That's a packet of minced beef in one go. Yeah. Yeah, so and ultimately need... it's like right don't be afraid of these but then also you have to know what to trust and this is where like you have to look at it from a supplementation point of view that supplementation is actually a more risky it's a more risky process than taking medication because at least medication is regulated yeah, supplementation it, isn't yeah. regulated and we said this the other day me and you could set up a new supplement company by just going to a lab in germany and saying yeah lads will have a, a whey protein powder and then we could just start selling it. Yeah, you have absolutely. to really go through that process. So and, and this is why I think about it with myself. Like I, again, when I'm recommending to athletes, I have to be so careful of with what I, what I actually recommend. Because the thing is that like up to 60% of supplements can be contaminated with heavy metals. So I'm talking like arsenic, lead, mercury, anabolic steroids, pro-hormones, and other naughty things like we spoke about earlier, DMAA. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and, and the reason for that is that sometimes it genuinely is just an accident. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes That's like right, they're yeah. just being produced in the same factories as other drugs. And sometimes you get that level of cross-contamination. But then the other times, like these companies want to turn shit into gold. Yeah. So they go, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Mate, I took this supplement the other day. I was like, wired. And I've got massive. And the reason you got massive is because it's loaded with testosterone. That's why. Yeah, yeah. So then what they're going to do consistently buy that. Yeah. So like, you know, and that's where, again, I look at like with athletes, that when you see doping cases, so like you see on Sky Sports News, like an athlete's tested positive for um, this, tested positive for that. 10% of cases are actually from um contaminated supplements yeah and, and this is where I like i go through a couple of studies that like the one took the the one study took the the top 15 um protein supplement brands and they found that three out of these 15 were actually contaminated with between six and 18 micrograms of lead so that's enough yeah. to potentially um result in lead poisoning 
Then another study, they got um, 634 supplement of the most popular supplement brands out of their main popular supplements. So 634 and 14.8% of them contain traces of an anabolic steroid. And you're like 15%. Like that's nuts. Like it's mad. Yeah, but like this incredible. isn't like it's not regulated and the thing is and i said this to all my coaches who i train i'm like you don't need that on your back like no, you don't need that yeah, like, yeah and then ultimately it's like you know there is a safe way to do it so ultimately um one other thing as well is that you find that that certain supplements melatonin is rife for it that's why when i kind of spoke about melatonin's in my in my 11, oh, 11. But i like to supplement with melatonin through natural sources being a specific type of cherry juice. And the reason for yeah. that is that like melatonin supplements are found to have as little as 4% of the content of the compound they actually claim to have. And some have shown to have it in excess of a thousand percent. So you know, like, the actual quantity is like mad. Yeah. However, like that's why I go, right, okay, if you're going to utilize a melatonin supplement to re-regulate your body clock, you're better off getting it from well, probably like three places. The first one is a high protein meal yeah, because that contains the amino acid called tryptophan that gets converted into yeah, serotonin, yeah, which yeah. gets converted into melatonin. So a high protein meal prior to sleep has shown to elevate melatonin concentrations. The next one is kiwi fruit. So yeah, kiwi yeah. has a very high serotonin content. Now, that what's been shown is that two kiwi fruit one hour before bed is shown to enhance the quality and quantity of sleep. Yeah um so naturally that serotonin gets converted into melatonin but the one that i use with my athletes so i've got a sachet of this stuff here um here we go um so it's a, it's a specific cherry juice called the montmorency cherry juice um the montmorency cherry so yeah so um again by the way i have no affiliation to any supplement company um so you can get them from science and sport and um, there's also another curry um com- uh company called active edge so it's called cherry active so it's the montmorency cherry juice and that's actually got a very high melatonin content and it's been shown actually that consistent supplementation with that over a two-week period is shown to actually enhance sleep duration by up to 84 minutes you think about that's a whole extra sleep cycle it's massive but like going back to it that you have to make sure that when you're sourcing your supplements like it is safe because one you know that like what's in it is in it so that one, you know, the dose that you're actually taking, but then also there's no nasties and like dirty things in there. So there's, um again, there's a, a website that I use called Informed Sport. Yeah. So you'll find it on like most supplements where essentially you can just go onto the website and you type it in and yeah. then it'll come up, type in the supplement that you want to look at and it'll come up with all of the supplements that are, that are batch tested, that they are safe. You also have some companies that naturally every single one of their supplements are batch tested. So you have science and sport, you have nutrition x um and again like those supplement companies um they're actually kind of like you know they're, they're tested and they're trusted so but it's so important to be careful with them absolutely um, so no and on also so really knowing how to use them why you would use them and then and more importantly like you know where to actually source them from that's the thing and i think like you say you know when you when you do take it into perspective how you know recommending supplements is you know more risky than medication you start to actually go, okay, maybe I should actually, you know, understand this a little bit better. And before I go ahead and buy buy a supplement and, and purchase a supplement that might have an affiliate affiliation with, you know, uh, an influencer online who's just getting like a, a booty of building stuff. buster or whatever you like. So yeah, get my booty, it's get 20% off. And it's just like, you know, are, is this a trusted supplement? 
have you done your own research on this supplement or have you at least spoken to a credible source and, and ask their ask their opinion and, and their recommendation on a supplement? Because, you know, when you do take into account that it could be contam contaminated with heavy metals, lead, with DMAA, you know, these kind of things and steroids, and it is a dangerous thing. And when it's more, more bloody dangerous and risky than medication that's regulated, it's something that should be really, really looked into, which I think is a, such a powerful point as well. So, dude, that was absolutely mega. And I'm really, really happy that everybody listens to this is going to be walking away with a, so much more knowledge and understanding on especially supplements in particular, not only the mindset approaching a diet and looking at theory and practice, but also not being so afraid of supplements and understanding they have a place, but using it in the right way is an absolute key. And everybody who spent the last hour with us is going to go away understanding that as well. So dude, thank you so much. What is next for Mr. Cullen Walker? Um, well, variety of things really. So, um, so really for me, like, you know, it's, I'm looking to put on a, a live event next year. Um, so yeah, I'm very lucky that um, I work in conjunction with a, an elite performance coach. So he was, um, he was head of strength and conditioning for Northampton Saints rugby club. Um, he's done um, Middlesbrough football club, Coventry city, uh, the world football team. He's actually the guy who got Ryan Geese into Pilates. Um, well, he's best went to Tony Kulis. So like, you know, he works with yeah. um, Stoke city, like all of those done. Incredible. Ryder Cup golfers, Formula One drivers, all of those sorts of guys. So again, I'm looking to get him involved to do, um, you know, together to put on an event next year. Um, again, I've just brought him into my community. So really, like for me, it's just continuing to grow my community of coaches and just instilling the the right scientific process, like you know, the processes, the right mindset, and the right way to be able to actually deliver all of this nutritional science and all of this nutritional, you know, kind of like knowledge into their clients so ultimately they can actually change lives for the better so you know for me it's just continuing to grow that um and then from my own personal perspective you know i'm really looking to just enhance my reputation in elite sport um you know hopefully take on a couple of other roles um working with professional athletes you know i still working with my athletes on a one-to-one -one basis which is brilliant but um but i think really it's just that my way of making a difference in the fitness industry yeah absolutely. Really, that's needed um, yeah, well, my way for me is going, right, okay, what do I want to do? Like, we have a massive obesity problem and, and we have a massive issue in which the government's doing nothing about. So it's like, I can't look after every single person in the country from a nutritional point of view, but what I can do is help those who are doing that. So for Absolutely. me, like doing this is about, and I think this is one other thing as well, that like, I'm sure you're, you're completely aware of this because I can tell you're just the way that, you know, you work, we're on the same wavelength, that ultimately you know, physical fitness, physical, like, you know, our own body image, like it governs people's lives in yes. the sense that like it destroys their lives. And it, and it is so, so important. I think as coaches, like we really have to be precious about the responsibility we actually have with someone's life and how important absolutely. it actually is. Yeah. So absolutely. ultimately if I can change lives that way through training the coaches and helping them, you know, and, and making it that way, way, that's that's success for me. So that's where I want to go with things. That is absolutely incredible. So coming towards the back of this podcast, we always do, for everyone who joins us as guests, 10 quick fire questions, not necessarily yeah. about the fitness industry, but just cool. 10 quick fire questions. You ready? Yeah, go. Firstly, favorite place to travel to? Uh, oh. Southeast Asia. Lovely. So Vietnam, Cambodia. Interesting. Amazing. Scariest animal on the planet? Spider. Spider. I fucking hate them. You can only eat one meal for the rest of your life. What would it be? Uh, a chicken tikka aloo vindaloo with a tarkadar and a side of spinach. Strong. Best gym you've ever trained at? 
oh, best gym I've ever trained at. I could, oh, problem is I train a lot of people who run gyms, so I've got to be very careful with what <laughs> I say here. I'm going to say outside. Okay, I like it. Most used app on your phone? Well, it used to be Tinder, but now I'm in a relationship. So, <laughs> uh, I'd say now I've been been together for a year and a half. Uh, most used app, WhatsApp, my clients. Yeah, me too. Favorite exercise in the gym? Um, this is going to sound really fucked up, but I actually love a Bulgarian split squat. Wow, how do I fucking end this meeting? Least favorite <laughs> exercise in the gym? <laughs> Least favorite? Uh, uh, sit up. What okay. waste? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say, the mo- if you can change one thing about the fitness interview, what would it be? But I think we covered it in, in, in great detail, but in, um, in honesty and authenticity. Yeah, I like it a lot. Would you rather be invisible or be able to fly? Fly. Absolutely. Describe the rest of your life in five words. Um, making a difference, changing lives. Wow. Absolutely love it. Dude, where can people find you who want to learn more about you and watch more of your content? Instagram's the best one. So my handle is CW underscore nutrition. Um, again, I put loads of tips up when it's from a mindset perspective, nutritional point of view. And, and again, if anyone, whether you're a fitness coach who wants to you know enhance and grow your business by getting better results with your clients, whether you're someone who wants to just you know get themselves in better shape or you're struggling with your own journey, just drop me a line and I'm always happy to, you know, to, to reach out and just provide any form of advice. Um, so please just drop me a line or just give me a follow and I'm always here to help. I will put all of the links to um, Callum's social media handle in the show notes because guys, go over, check out his Instagram because there's, you know, you've found a lot of value on this podcast and there's so much more of that over on Callum's Instagram. So make sure you definitely go ahead and check that out. Give him a follow. And thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Take care, guys.